Let's read from Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. And we began uh, reading this last week, and again, same passage this week, and only one more week we'll do this, just, just three weeks of this, but a, uh, a great passage again to remember. We're learning a little bit in these weeks about Lectio Divina, spiritual reading, divine reading, not just reading for information, but reading for formation, listening not only with our ears and our minds, but listening with our hearts, and believing that God actually wants to speak to our hearts through his word. Uh, I just kind of, along with Christians throughout the centuries, have believed that, and we want to believe it even as we listen and hear together. So hear these words, Matthew five thirteen to 16. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Well, I am, uh, so I was thinking about this today in particular. I I became... um, Sorry that I haven't yet seen the the movie, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, about Mr. Rogers. Some of you have seen it. Have you seen it? Who, who's, yeah, several of you have seen it. Some of you have told me it's just a great movie. And I watched some clips and some trailers and things this week. And though I haven't seen the movie, I knew I wanted to talk about Mr. Rogers this morning. And, and I, so I, I dressed like Mr. Rogers this morning. Hey! I mean... Won't you be mine? <laughs> right? I could, I could do this. He's my homie. I was raised on Mr. Rogers. I mean, uh, this, is my, this is my guy. So I, uh, I read some reviews of the movie this week. And, and honestly, some of the reviews just really made me want to see it for sure. So... I'm going to. And if you have no idea who Mr. Rogers is, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Um, watch the movie. And I'm sure you can find some great reruns on YouTube. And I would definitely recommend Mr. Rogers to you, teenagers. And uh, the kids are already gone, but they, for them as well, any of us. But listen to some of the words from some of the reviews that I read. 95% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. Uh, which that movie review uh, site by the by the movie critics? Some of them said stuff like this: beautifully set up, 
a really strange, really interesting, really oddly uplifting film. <laughs> Which I haven't seen the movie, but that's Mr. Rogers. I thought it worked fantastically well, another critic wrote. Mr. Rogers has such a genuine curiosity and compassion for other people. I came out of the film wanting to be a better person. Somebody else said this. This one is worth seeing for sure. Let's face it. In the world in which we live today, more of the acceptance and gentleness of Mr. Rogers can't hurt any of us. This, uh, this line was probably my favorite, though. All a bit strange, but rather lovely, too. <laughs> I, I just think that that sums up Mr. I think even as a kid, you know, when I'm like six years old, I had a sense that this is kind of weird. <laughs> this dude's kind of different. Why am I so interested in these puppets. I Really, the neighborhood of make-believe? Come on. And what's up with the sweater, Mr. Rogers? You know, I, I even had a sense back then, I feel like, that it was all a bit strange, but it was rather lovely. I just couldn't, you know, stop watching. And I know my mom liked that. Gave her some free time. Mr. Rogers, this, this TV personality, all sorts, of, um, all sorts of interesting rumors about his, his life through the years as well. But pretty, uh, pretty regular guy. Um, but he ran, he, he, he did this show, listen, from 1968 to 2001. And then the show, the PBS showed reruns for 15 more years. 1968 to 2016. It's almost 50 years of Mr. Rogers', Mr. Rogers face being on the TV. That is, uh, that's pretty remarkable. And, you know, he'd, he'd show up and he'd sing his song and he'd change his shoes and his sweater and he'd smile at the camera and it'd be really kind of cheesy. And then he'd kind of be like, all right, let's go out and visit some people in the neighborhood. He'd go out and kind of usually visit somebody different or somebody would come to visit him and meet the different people in the neighborhood that were... And there'd be sort of a theme. He worked with this child psychologist for all these years and developed these themes and what they wanted to teach and how they wanted to help kids in particular and families. And then he'd come back and he'd look in that little crazy train tunnel and and we'd be in the neighborhood of make-believe and all these puppets, he'd be like, I think that's Mr. Rogers talking. Wait a second, I think that's Mr. Rogers talking too. Wait, that's Mr. Rogers talking too. He did all, pretty much all the characters. And... Uh, and would just reinforce the themes, and, uh, and you'd come to the end of the show, and you would know that it had been a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And on the, in the movie uh, trailer, and those of you who've seen the movie, uh, obviously, I'm sure, saw this part, unless it got 
in the trailer, but not in the movie, but he's on a subway, he's riding on the train, and he's recognized by some people, and they look at him, and they say, hey, Mr. Rogers, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and he says, yes, it is, and they, of course, start to sing, won't you be, won't you be my neighbor, please, won't you be my neighbor, it goes on and on and on. And the whole train is singing this song as they, uh, as they honor him. I, I, just, I thought about him um, not only because I wanted to wear a cardigan today, but I, I thought about him as I was reading this passage again. Salt and light, salt of the earth, light of the world. And again, the, the words that were used to describe the movie really could have been used to describe him and and I think ought to be used to describe followers of Jesus as we seek to be salt and light. Really, really strange. Really interesting. And really oddly uplifting. What if what if people said that about you? He, he left people wanting to be a better person. More, again, of the acceptance of gent- and gentleness of Mr. Rogers can't hurt any of us. What, what, if, what if the world s- said and thought of Christians all a bit strange, but rather lovely, rather lovely too? I, I just think that that is what salt and light does in the world. It's the kind of life that Jesus says. He doesn't even call his disciples to this life. He says, if you're my disciples, this will be your life. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A As followers of mine, your life will be one that is characterized by compassion and by uplift and by acceptance and grace and gentleness and generosity. It it may be rather strange in the world in which you live, but it'll be lovely. Interesting, last week after I preached on being the salt of the earth and I had made a reference to the preserving nature of the church and I made a comment to the idea of, you know, where would the world be without Christians? And uh, somebody mentioned to me afterwards that question and said to me that their thought actually was that it would be a better place <laughs> without Christians. And... Uh, Unfortunately, in the world in which we live, the, the church is known more for its judgmentalism and hypocrisy and political stance and violence even than we are for compassion and for kindness and for gentleness and for grace. And I stood corrected and I said, what I should have said is where the church is being the church that Jesus has called it to be. And named it to be in the world. Where would the world be without that 
kind of church, a lot worse off. I hope the answer would be at that point. This is who Jesus calls his people to be, who names us to be in the world. You folks, remember, y'all are salt, y'all are light. And that's not only Jesus saying, you individuals who make up this corporate body, but but you as a as a community, you as a group, you believers gathered even in this space today and together with believers all around the, the world and throughout time, you are these things, salt, preserving and purifying and flavoring, lights, guiding and illuminating and revealing. You are the light of the world. You are like that city up on a hillside. You can't hide if you wanted to. The lights are on. You, you are like a shining lamp in the house. I guess you can hide if you want to because you could put that basket over the light, but that's not why we light a lamp, Jesus says. You don't put a basket over it. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? Hide it under a bushel? Thank you. Yeah, that's the song. No way. Right up on the stand where it shines for everyone in the house to see. Let your light shine, Jesus says, in, out in, in the presence of other people in such a way let your light shine in such a way that when the world sees your good deeds, they will give glory to God the Father. There is to be something about the way Christians are, according to this passage. There is there's to be something about the way that, that the church operates in the world, that the people of God uh, live together. The, the way that they talk among each other, the way that they talk about each other, the way that they talk within the world, the way that they talk about people in the surrounding world, the way that, that, that the followers of Jesus are, that is somehow to be dynamic and attractive, somehow to be eye-catching in such a way that, that people would not just see them, that the, the people not just recognize what they are doing, but somehow through who they are and what they are doing, they would see and give praise to God. That, that the actions and the lives of followers of Jesus would be less a, a, a mirror that just reflects back that person and more a window through which can be seen on to the glory of God and give praise and worship to him. This all seems a little over the top for me sometimes. I don't know about you. And, and just like Jesus didn't say, you're the salt of a little section of the, the, the city. He said, you're the salt of the earth. He didn't say, you're the, you're the light of a particular you know, closet, you're the light of the world, he said. Jesus has so much confidence in his disciples. So much 
hope and so much anticipation. Beyond question is the confidence that Jesus has in his followers. Now, are we always going to shine our light perfectly? Are we always going to shine it into the dark places where we're expected to? Not likely. But there's this powerful promise here in this passage that if we will shine, if we will allow what is in us by the presence of God and the person of Jesus to shine out through us, it will be seen. You are like a city on a hillside. And so we have this wonderful hope that the light within us is not, the light that we shine is not something that we need to generate. It's the light that comes into us through the presence of Jesus. And, and the result of that light shining or the impact of that light shining is also not something that we need to worry ourselves about. Jesus says it will shine. All we need to do is, is reflect. And you've heard this comparison before perhaps, but like the Moon reflects the light of the sunshine. It just is without any light in itself necessarily. So are we, like the moon, a reflection of the Son of God. As we stay face to face with Jesus, then our lives become a reflection, both a window through which we might be, through, whom, through which God might be seen, but also a mere reflecting the light of Jesus back into the world. And the goal, again, is that people would be not impressed with us, but impressed by the Father who makes and empowers his disciples to live in this way. I love how David, the psalmist, wrote it, and uh, Teresa read it earlier from Psalm 37. It said like this. Hear it again. Commit, your, commit everything you do to the Lord. Face to face with Jesus. Trust him and he will help you. He's the one who will put the light in you. He'll make your innocence, your holiness radiate like the dawn. And the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. It's all him as he does it in us and through us. Our responsibility again, stay close. Stay available. Stay Stay, stay near, stay face to face. His responsibility, make us bright. His responsibility, make us relevant. Make us uh, a bit strange, but lovely at the same time. Can we just believe this morning, before we go any further, that the one who turns the light on in us, Jesus himself, is very committed to the continued shining of that light in and through us to the world. It's not like he turns the light on and says, all right, now, figure it out. Hope that works for you. Go, just go shine. You're on your own now. It's like, no, I, he turns it on and then he, he, he tends to the flame, tends to the light, continue to fill us in such a way as we prayed for the kids that that light would shine. Jesus is very interested in having that light shine to the whole house. He's not only interested in one particular room, puts us up on the table. There's something 
special. One person said it like this, something very special about Christian good works. <clears throat> and, and I think this is really important for us. Their specialness, he said, is to be in their modesty and their mercy. So when we think about what our good works might be, that would be the, the most revelatory of the light of Jesus, to think about our modesty and their mercy. It's possible, he said, that our kind of good works might not be more striking, but more simple. As we follow the, the Jesus who was kind of ordained into his public ministry, not by baptizing people, but by being baptized, the same Jesus who was the light of the world, who in the wilderness temptations just kind of kind of pushed away every offer for sensationalism and superstardom and instead wanted to just be simple and trusting and modest, so disciples will act in this way as we shine our light. I want to give us just um, a, a couple, few quick ideas here. Reading this book this week called The Road to Missional and this Author, missional just means to be on mission in the, word, in the world. This author, a guy named Michael Frost, he, he suggested just a simple framework of what it might look like for followers of Jesus to be the light in the world. And uh, I just really want us to grab onto these this morning. So, so three, three words that you might keep in mind, that we need to keep in mind, since we are the light of the world, what will that look like. The, the first is this, proximity. In other words, light must be near to what it is trying to light up. Light must be near to something to have an impact, to have an effect, to shine the light of Christ. In other words, we need to be moving into the lives of those to whom we believe we've been sent. Uh, we, we talk in sports about a timeout, and, uh, and the timeout is when the coaches and the players gather together to discuss the plays and to devise a strategy and to rest up a little bit, to catch their breath, to talk about what the plans and purposes might be. But sooner than later, the timeout comes to an end and play resumes and the players must go back onto the field or in, onto the court or into the arena and resume activity. Much of what we do right here is like a timeout. In fact, down at Point Lomo uh, where I went to school, there's a midweek Bible study and it's just called timeout. Take a timeout. <laughs> Take a time out from what you're doing. Come, come get recharged, refreshed. And, and so important. But, but what if, you know, again, we've talked about it. What if, what if players just, like, the timeout ended? Oh, like another timeout, please. Can I get another timeout? Just like to stay on timeout. This would not be effective. The light would not be able to shine in the places where it needs to shine. In order for the light to have its greatest impact, the players and the, 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 the church must go into the arena, into the space, into the lives of those to whom 
we are called to shine. The neighborhoods, the people, the families, the workplaces, the schools. To shine into these places, newsflash, we have to actually be there. Um, again, I think of the analogy. He puts the lampstand onto the, or the light onto the lampstand to shine throughout all the house. And in Jesus' day, it was like a one-room house. But in our day, it's like we got lots of compartmentalization, lots of subcultures, Lots of enclaves, lots of communities in which people hang out. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's just lots of compartmentalization of life. And, and I hang out with these people over here, and, but that community over there, and this community of people over here, different interests and special interests. And, and in order to shine the light, it, we, we can't just be in one place now. We have to get on lampstands in each of those rooms. And it might not be up to you to be in each of those rooms, but together as the church, we can think about the proximity of each of us going into these unique places to be near those to whom we've been sent. We think about Jesus. We think about his three years in public ministry. We think about um, his... Last week of his life in particular, what we don't often think about her is 30 years in Nazareth. It's 30 years in that place. You know, does anything good come from Nazareth? Shining the light day after day. Proximity, being in the places. The second word is this, presence. To be the light of the world, we must live as Jesus lived. To be the presence of Jesus. And over the years, we've just said this so many times in our house that, it, you know, we have to just kind of check ourselves to make sure it's really authentic. But just almost every day when we send our kids out to school or when we leave the house, we just be the light, be the light of Jesus, shine the light of Jesus today. And, and it's very a real, really important, authentic sentiment to communicate. And maybe you've said the same kind of thing or heard the same kind of thing. Be the light of Jesus. But this means more than just kind of representing Jesus or uh, imitating Jesus. In, in many ways, to be the light of Jesus means to bring, like, by your body and by your mouth and by your hands and feet, it means to actually sort of usher the presence of Jesus into these contexts. And I, I just, you know, I've got to be honest with you. There, there have been some times and some circumstances, some contexts, and I'm sure that some of you are like me in this, where there's, there's opportunity to, to, be, to, to be in proximity with some people or some situations that I know are important, but I don't really want to. Or I don't feel like I can have much of an impact. And maybe I, even as a pastor, I've been invited into some places over the years where I know that I'm a, I'm a token. Anybody else ever feel like the token Christian in the room? Like, well, let's just kind of invite her along because, I don't know, maybe, we, maybe she'll bring us some good luck or something. <laughs> 
And, and I, I've, you know, there was a season stretch in my life, even as a pastor, I was like, I'm not going to be the token. I'm just, I, you know, people are either going to recognize me as a Christian for who I am and sort of honor what's going on in my life with Christ, or, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't need to, to be in that place. And, and then I began to think, you know, whatever, by whatever means that I might get invited into that context, I think I'm just going to grab it. I think I'm, they, they, want, they want a blessing. They, like I'm a good luck charm or something. They want the Christian around. It's so offensive, we think. That's not who I am. Follower of Jesus, yeah. No, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a little, little space that you're. And I begin to just think to myself, you know what? Actually, they might not know it, but if they invite me in, then guess what I bring? I don't just bring my word of blessing or my, you know, my ethics or my morality. I, I bring. With me, in me, I bring the presence of Jesus. And, and I don't know, maybe you've thought deeply about that and you think about that all the time, but, but what if we were to begin to think about the spaces that we get invited into for whatever reason, whether it's professional or personal or just, you know... Or maybe we don't even get invited, but there's a space there, and we're like, hey, I can, can, can I go here? And, and we begin to think of it not out of what we're going to get out of it or what people want to get out of us, but the, 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 the possibility that, that by us simply being there, we have, we have ushered in, we have initiated into this context the very presence of Jesus. And, and then it becomes, well, it's Jesus. Then it becomes not my responsibility as to what happens from there, but, but, but the presence of Jesus that's able to act and to move. You see, I just kind of think that that mission, that shining light is, sometimes it's, it's like beautiful, it's powerful, it's brilliant, and it's like, wow, I just shined to the light of Jesus. Look at that. That was amazing. And other times it's like, oh, this, this light, this long, the long game. This light shining, presence of Jesus, very ordinary light maybe, seemingly, but shining, showing up over and over again, entering into maybe even a lifelong journey of shining light into someone's life, into someone's chaos, into someone's darkness that they may or may not even understand to be darkness. Presence, proximity, presence. The last one that Frost talks about is, just, is uh, the, the idea of passion. And he just, uh, he, he says, there's only one way to shine the light of Christ in the world, and that is with great passion and with great purpose. Shining with great brilliance. Again, the people that Jesus is speaking to are the ones that he has just said, you will suffer persecution. It's going to be hard, but shine your light anyway with an unstoppable 
nature. Passion, he says, is more than just having a strong feeling about someone. It is the intense and compelling enthusiasm for something for which you're willing to suffer. Those who are called to shine the light of Christ should be filled with the passion of Christ, filled with a deep enthusiasm for the cause to which he has called them. I, uh, we were working on the bathrooms, friends. I, I wonder if that's why less people are coming to church. But anyway, um, they'll be done someday. Uh, and we were working hard. Rick Glass, in particular, has been working hard. Most of you know Rick's playing the keyboards up here. Rick's also an electrician and is, is donating his time. Just, I'm, he's not asking you for a big pat on the back, but I think you should give him a big pat on the back when you get a chance. But, but just is doing a great job. But most if you know Rick, and sorry, Rick, I'm talking about you just for a minute. Um, Rick doesn't do very many things like halfway. Um, if he rides his Harley, it's full on, you know. If he cheers for the UCSB Gaucho basketball team, he cheers for the UCSB Gaucho team. I've sat next to him at a game. Um, and, and when he does electrical work, he does not mess around either. And, and one thing I want to tell you, that I'm, I'm pretty sure the toilets are going to flush and that the sinks are going to work. But I know for certain that those bathrooms are going to be well lit. And the hallways that you walk into, the motion sensors are going to be awesome. And when you walk in and, and put your hands in that sink and the sensor comes on and it washes your hands for you, because it's plugged into the electrical supply beneath the sink, it's going to be amazing. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's nothing halfway here. I, I, it's just, it's true that, that when we talk about the lights of this bathroom project, this renovation, it's been, and you'll notice, I mean, you'll notice when you go, it's, it's been done with, with great care and with great passion. There's even new outlets on the exterior wall for coffee and other things to be plugged into that weren't there before. You can notice those when you go out after the service. I mean, there's, there's electricity everywhere, people. Now, this is just, this is kind of, this is the point that I'm just trying to make, you know. If you're the light of the world. I mean, how do, we, how do we hear Jesus say that to us and be like, eh, okay, thanks. I'll see what I can do. I mean, I said it last week. I'll say it again. I'm just like, Jesus, are you sure you know who you're talking to? It's me. It's us. He says, I know exactly who I'm talking to. And you are the light of the world. And so when I hear that confidence and I hear that, that name, that, that uh, designation, it's not even an invitation, it's a designation. I think, all right, if we're going to do this, if this is who I am, then 
If this is who we are, then let's be this with all that we know how to be. He had this quote from Mother Teresa. Got to have at least one quote from Mother Teresa in your books. But he said, give yourself, she said, give yourself fully to God. He will use you to accomplish great things on the condition that you believe much more in his love than in your own weakness. Oh, I see, Jesus. You are talking to me because you realize that it's not about me. It's about you and what you're doing in me. The purpose of my life, the purpose of our life together then is to reveal the glory of God. So how are we doing at shining the light of Christ in the world? Where are the places and spaces that you need to kind of get a little closer to? Who are the people that you've kind of been keeping at arm's length because, I don't know, they kind of bug you perhaps or you just don't feel like you might have much of an influence or maybe you're a little concerned about what the influence is that they might have on you or kind of the place, what are the places where maybe you sense that God is saying, got to move a little closer. What are the subcultures or the, the groupings, the communities that are gathered around a, a, an idea or a talent or an interest that you share that, that because of that commonality, you might be welcomed into that space in a pretty powerful way, actually, and, and, and in sort of secret agent mode, enter in, in, a, in, a, in a capacity in which you would be able to get very close. Uh, what, you know, what are you doing when you show up? Is it just you or are you saying, Jesus, show up with me today? When you leave the house, Jesus, show up with me. When you go into the places that are hard, maybe even when you go to be with your family and some of your family members who aren't believers and and you just are kind of a punching bag in that space, it feels like sometimes, or just kind of just not paid attention to, or, or your workplace where maybe you're, you know, spoken of nicely to your face, but behind your back, you know it's a different story. How might it be just for you to say, Jesus, I need you to show up and Whatever way I can get in there, I'm going to get in there, but it's not me, it's you. And I want every good work or every attitude that I show or every word of compassion that comes out of me to be such that somehow it's a window to who you are. And how can I do it with great enthusiasm? How can I do it with great excitement and with great hope and with great confidence that the one who has begun a good work in me, is going to complete it and do something beautiful and powerful as I shine that light to the world. I invite our worship team to come and lead us as we respond. Let's all stand together, can we? Lord, thanks so much that uh, really Jesus... You, you are the capital L light of the world. You are the light of the nations. 
Jesus, you are the one sent by the Father to, to shine light, light of forgiveness, light of new life, light of resurrection, light of life. And uh, to, to think that you, the capital L light of the world, would look at your disciples and speak even into our hearts today and say, yeah, yeah, you too. Just as the Father sent you into the world, so you send us to think, to think. And, and Jesus, we want to be oh so careful not to sort of write this off as just another familiar passage or to kind of just assume that we're all where we need to be in, in terms of your designation of us and instead to allow your light to shine within us in such a way that you might point out the places where we might lean more significantly into this or really maybe even for some of us for the first time to think of ourselves in this way. But we pray that your spirit would guide us and that you would help us to hear your, your voice speaking to our hearts and to our minds and that we would have lives, every part of us, body, mind, spirit, soul, ready to respond, ready to obey, ready to be the light of the world. We pray it in your name. And we respond now. Amen.